The Egyptian Passover. Egypt, in Hebrew, Mitzrayim, literally means a place of narrowness. The Torah's name for Egypt is Mitzrayim, and this name does not just refer to a geographical location. The root letters of this Hebrew name spell Netzer, a word which means confinement or distress. To be in Mitzrayim is to be in a place of confinement or distress physical and or spiritual. With this in mind, let's examine the Passover that took place in the days of Moses. Shemot, Exodus, 12-114 Hashem said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be your old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the doorframes of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs, and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire, head, legs and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning, if some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, it is Hashem's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn both men and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am Hashem. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate, for the generations to come you shall celebrate it as a festival to Hashem a lasting ordinance. This month shall be the beginning of months is the first commandment given to the entire nation of Israel. To obey this commandment requires that you understand when a month begins and when the year begins. The written Torah never answers these questions. The Talmud does address this issue. Unless Israel has the authority to declare the new moons, the Rush Kochim, then they would not have the ability to carry out this command. Unless this command is carried out, there would be no festivals. According to this next passage, Israel entered Egypt on Passover. Shemot, Exodus, 1240-42 Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all Hashem's divisions left Egypt. Because Hashem kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor Hashem for the generations to come. Shemot, Exodus, 1231-38 During the night Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up! Leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship Hashem as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go. And also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added, and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. Hashem had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. 
Many other people went up with them, as well as large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. So, not only Israelites, but Gentiles as well. This is significant because these were the same folks who stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and received the Torah, instruction or law. As an aside, of the 600,000 men who came out of Egypt, only two men, besides the Levites, entered the promised land, one Israelite, Yahashua, Joshua, the Ephraimite, and one who was a descendant of a Gentile convert, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kensite. Please recall that the Kensites are one of the peoples whose land is promised to Abraham in the covenant between the parts. Two of the first things that Hashem tells Moshe when sending him to take the Jews out of Egypt are that he is rescuing them so as to bring them to Israel 51, and that on their way out of Egypt, Moshe should take them to Har Sinai. 52. Perhaps more than any other holiday, Passover, as presented in Tanakh, represents a major change in the Jewish people and their relationship to Hashem and the land of Israel. We read of Passover celebrations during the times of Yahashua, Joshua, Samuel, Hezekiah, Josiah and Zerubbabel. In each case, the celebration came along with major changes. Here is another story which is very much like the story of Moses and the Egyptian Passover. Shaftim, Judges, 6 11-22 The angel of Hashem came and sat down under the oak and offer that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of Hashem appeared to Gideon, he said, Hashem is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If Hashem is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not Hashem bring us up out of Egypt? But now Hashem has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Hashem turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Hashem answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And Hashem said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of Hashem touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of Hashem disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of Hashem, he exclaimed, Ah, Sovereign Hashem! I have seen the angel of Hashem face to face. Here we see Gideon able to stand up to an angel and demand to know where his signs and wonders are. Throughout the Tanakh, 53, when a man encountered an angel, he would fall on his face like a dead man. How did Gideon generate the strength to talk to an angel like this? The sages teach us that it was the first day of Passover and Gideon's father had just inspired him at the Seder table. Thus Gideon was imbued with the spiritual strength to stand up to the angel. Yahashua, Joshua, observed Passover just before eating the produce of the land. Yahashua, Joshua, 510-12 On the evening of the fourteenth day of the month, while camped at Gogal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain.
The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land, there was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. In the time of Yahashua, Joshua, Passover was the time when the generation born in the desert finally got circumcised 57, bringing them into the covenant with Hashem. Passover also coincided with the end, of the manna 58. Many people think that the point of the manna stopping was for the Jews to learn how to eat the hard way by planting and growing their own food. However, we are told explicitly 59, that the food of Israel which the Jews ate following the end of the manna was spoon-fed to them by Hashem. What made it different than the manna was not that it was the result of hard labor by the Jews. Rather, it represented the Jews' attachment to the land of Israel. We see that at the time of Passover, in the days of Yahashua, Joshua, the Jews became full-fledged members of the people of Israel by being circumcised, and they also went from being nomads in the desert to settling Israel, which was expressed by their need to eat Israel's food. Josiah celebrated Passover prior to his revival. Melachim Bet, 2 Kings, 23-21-23 The king gave this order to all the people, Celebrate the Passover to Hashem your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, nor throughout the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, had any such Passover been observed. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to Hashem in Jerusalem. Hezekiah celebrated Passover. Devre Haamim 31-20 Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of Hashem in Jerusalem and to celebrate the Passover to Hashem, the God of Israel. The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month. They had not been able to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves and the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. The plan seemed right both to the king and to the whole assembly. They decided to send a proclamation throughout Israel, from Beersheba to Dan, calling the people to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to HaShem, the God of Israel. It had not been celebrated in large numbers according to what was written. At the king's command, couriers went throughout Israel and Judah with letters from the king and from his officials, which read, People of Israel, return to HaShem, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and brothers, who were unfaithful to HaShem, the God of their fathers, so that he made them an object of horror, as you see. Do not be stiff-necked, as your fathers were, submit to HaShem. Come to the sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve HaShem your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. If you return to HaShem, then your brothers and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will come back to this land, for HaShem your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. The couriers went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh, as far as Zebulon, but the people scorned it and ridiculed them. Nevertheless, some men of Asher, Manasseh and Zebulon humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. Also in Judah the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered following the word of HaShem. A very large crowd of people assembled in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month. They removed the altars in Jerusalem and cleared away the incense altars and threw them into the Kidron Valley. They slaughtered the Passover lamb on the fourteenth day of the second month. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the temple of HaShem. Then they took up their regular positions as prescribed in the law of Moses the man of God. 
the priests sprinkled the blood handed to them by the Levites. Since many in the crowd had not consecrated themselves, the Levites had to kill the Passover lambs for all those who were not ceremonially clean and could not consecrate, their lambs, to Hashem. Although most of the many people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulon had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May HaShem, who is good, pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking go to Shem, the God of his fathers even if he is not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And HaShem heard Hezekiah and healed the people. The first major prophecies given for Judah's destruction and exile came during the time of Hezekiah. The Jews, who had taken Israel, and the temple, for granted for so many years, were suddenly faced with the concept of exile and destruction. They knew that they had the potential to be thrown out of their land, if they didn't repent. Although there had been some prophecies of exile even earlier in the prophetic era 60, and even in the time of Moshe 61, the prophecies in the time of Hezekiah seemed to stand out in the people's minds as the first major prophecies of the imminent destruction, as they are the first direct threats of exile mentioned in the first half of the books of the prophet 62. Hezekiah decided to start a massive tshuva, repentance, movement and keep Israel. Again, it was the observance of Passover that symbolized the people of Judah regaining their hold on their land 63. This Passover obviously was not quite as major event, perhaps because the Chuva movement was undone only on a generation later, and in fact it is omitted from the Book of Kings. Nonetheless, it symbolized the Jews averting exile at the last second. In fact, it was during this time that the Kingdom of Israel, as opposed to the Kingdom of Judah which Hezekiah ruled over and which makes up the modern-day Jews, was exiled 64. This event surely helped show the people of Judah the need to strengthen their hold on their land. In fact, when the people debated how to respond to Yermeahu, Jeremiah's prophecies of destruction several generations later, those in favor of Chuva used the response of the Jews to the predictions of doom in the days of Hezekiah as a model for how to return to Hashem and stay connected to the land 65. Apparently the time of Hezekiah, which included a major Passover observance, brought out the connection between the Jews, Hashem, and the land of Israel in a major way. Divrei Hayamim 35 1-19 Josiah celebrated the Passover to Hashem in Jerusalem, and the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the fourteenth day of the first month. He appointed the priests to their duties and encouraged them in the service of Hashem's temple. He said to the Levites, who instructed all Israel and who had been consecrated to Hashem, put the sacred ark in the temple that Solomon son of David king of Israel built. It is not to be carried about on your shoulders. Now serve Hashem your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves by families in your divisions, according to the directions written by David king of Israel and by his son Solomon. Stand in the holy place with a group of Levites for each subdivision of the families of your fellow countrymen, the lay people. Slaughter the Passover lambs, consecrate yourselves and prepare, the lambs, for your fellow countrymen, doing what Hashem commanded through Moses. Josiah provided for all the lay people who were there a total of 30,000 sheep and goats for the Passover offerings, and also 3,000 cattle all from the king's own possessions. His officials also contributed voluntarily to the people and the priests and Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Yehiel, the administrators of God's temple, gave the priests 2,600 Passover offerings, and 300 cattle. Also Konaniah along with Shemaiah and Nethanel, his brothers, and Hashabiah, Jael and Josabad, the leaders of the Levites, provided 5,000 Passover offerings, and 500 head of cattle for the Levites. 
The service was arranged and the priests stood in their places with the Levites in their divisions as the king had ordered. The Passover lambs were slaughtered, and the priests sprinkled the blood handed to them, while the Levites skinned the animals. They set aside the burnt offerings to give them to the subdivisions of the families of the people to offer to Hashem, as is written in the book of Moses. They did the same with the cattle. They roasted the Passover animals over the fire as prescribed, and boiled the holy offerings in pots, cauldrons and pans and served them quickly to all the people. After this, they made preparations for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the descendants of Aaron, were sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fat portions until nightfall. So the Levites made preparations for themselves and for the Aaronic priests. The musicians, the descendants of Asaph, were in the places prescribed by David, Asaph, Haman and Jedith and the king's seer. The gatekeepers at each gate did not need to leave their posts, because their fellow Levites made the preparations for them. So at that time the entire service of HaShem was carried out for the celebration of the Passover and the offering of burnt offerings on the altar of HaShem, as King Josiah had ordered. The Israelites who were present celebrated the Passover at that time and observed the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. The Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel, and none of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah, with the priests, the Levites and all Judah and Israel who were there with the people of Jerusalem. This Passover was celebrated in the eighteenth year of Josiah's reign. Although the book of Samuel makes no direct mention of Passover's observance, we are told 66, that the Passover celebration of Josiah was the greatest one since the time of Samuel. The implication is that during Samuel's time Passover was observed. In Shemuel Aleph, I Samuel, 7, we are told of how Samuel got all the Jews to repent, after which they were able to reconquer parts of Israel which had been lost to the Philistines in battle. Samuel, in addition to leading this Chuva repentance, movement, had a major impact on connecting the Jews to the land of Israel. The Rambam 67, writes that appointing a king, destroying Amalek, and building the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, are the three mitzvot required of the Jewish people when they settle Israel. It was in Samuel's time that the Jews first even attempted these mitzvot. Despite his initial hesitation, Samuel anoints the first king of Israel 68, a task which the Midrash 69, claims he was destined to do since creation. Samuel then commands this king 70, to destroy Amalek. It was also Samuel who served as the Navi, prince, required 71, to select the location of the temple 72. In the days of Josiah, it became clear that exile was imminent. Josiah the king started a last gasp Shuva movement, but he was hardly trying to avoid exile. After all, the prophetess Hilda had already informed him that no matter how righteous he was, the biggest reward that HaShem was offering was to bring the exile after Josiah's death. 73, no exile at all wasn't an option. So, Josiah wasn't trying to avoid exile. Rather, he was trying to do what he knew was right, even though things seemed hopeless. Regardless of the approaching exile, he saw it necessary to make a new covenant with HaShem. 74, much as the people settled the land with the observance of, they observed Passover again when they knew things were hopeless. The comparison 75, between the Passovers of Josiah and Samuel is the biggest Passovers brings out the parallel between the gradual establishment of children of Israel in Israel and the gradual arrival of the exile. The lesson to be learned from Josiah and his Passover is that even when returning to Hashem may seem futile, one must do so, and even when exile is a guaranteed thing, one must try and do whatever one can within reason 76, to stay attached to Israel.
the returning Babylonian exiles celebrated Passover. Ezra 6 19-21 On the fourteenth day of the first month, the exiles celebrated the Passover. The priests and Levites had purified themselves and were all ceremonially clean. The Levites slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the exiles, for their brothers the priests and for themselves. So the Israelites who had returned from the exile ate it, together with all who had separated themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbors in order to seek Hashem, the God of Israel. The Passover of Zerubbabel once again kept with the theme of returning to Hashem and settling Israel. It was a major part of the return to Israel during the time when the temple was rebuilt and is the first major event recorded after the dedication of Second Temple. 77. To further make evident the Passover's connection to the return to Hashem and Israel, the next event recorded 78 is Ezra's return to Israel, which involved a return to the Torah, as Ezra was primarily a religious leader. Even though Ezra's return took place much later, 79, it is thematically connected to the Passover of Zerubbabel. The narrative in Bereshit 19 describes a house that is closed up, in which the family and the guests have just completed a meal with matzah. At the doorway to the house, the angels save the family members, strike the people of the city, stum, and then bring Lot's family out of the city, by virtue of the hospitality shown to them. The following table presents a comparison between the expressions in this chapter and the description of Pesach in Egypt. E-City, by virtue of the hospitality shown to them. The following table presents a comparison between the expressions in this chapter and the description of Pesach in Egypt. Bereshit 19 Shemot 12, 39, And they baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt to make cakes of matzah, for it was not leavened. 6 And Lot went out to them at the entrance, and shut the door after him. 22 And none of you shall go out from the entrance of his house until morning. 11 And they struck the men that were at the entrance to the house with blindness. And they wearied themselves to find the entrance. 23 Hashem will pass over the entrance and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses, to smite you. 3. And he made them a feast, and baked matzah, and they ate. 8. And they shall eat the meat on that night, roasted with fire, with matzah, they shall eat it with bitter herbs. 27. It is the sacrifice of Pesach unto Hashem, who passed over the houses of Bnei Yisrael in Egypt, when he smote Egypt, and delivered our houses. 13. For we will destroy this place, for their cry has grown great before Hashem, and Hashem has sent us to destroy it. 12. I shall smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. 13. When I smite the land of Egypt 29, Hashem smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt 14, Get up, get out of this place, for Hashem is going to destroy the city. 31. And he called for Moshe and Aharon by night, and said, Get up, get out from among my nation, you and Bnei Yisrael. 15. And when the dawn came. 12. Whatever you have in the city, bring it out of this place. 51. And it was, on that same day, that Hashem brought Bnei Yisrael out of Egypt by their hosts. 16. And he lingered. So they brought him out. 39. And they could not linger. 24. And Hashem rained down upon Stem and Amoral brimstone and fire from Hashem out of the heavens. And Hashem sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran down to the ground and Hashem rained hail upon the land of Egypt. 923-25, And he overthrew those cities, and all of the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and the vegetation on the land. And there was hail, and fire flaring amidst the hail, very heavy, such as had not been seen throughout the land of Egypt since it became a nation. 924 Duration, 
all night until the morning Lot's family is saved, producing two nations, Mov and Ammon. Duration, all night until the morning the exodus from Egypt gives rise to Am Yisrael. Bereshit 19. Shemot 12. 39. And they baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt to make cakes of matzah, for it was not leavened. 6. And Lot went out to them at the entrance, and shut the door after him. 22. And none of you shall go out from the entrance of his house until morning. 11. And they struck the men that were at the entrance to the house with blindness. And they wearied themselves to find the entrance. 23. Hashem will pass over the entrance and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses, to smite you. 3. And he made them a feast, and baked matzah, and they ate. 8. And they shall eat the meat on that night, roasted with fire, with matzah, th. Joseph and Mary celebrated the Passover. Luarkas, Luke, 241-52 Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was twelve years old, they went up to the feast, according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Yeshua stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Yeshua grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. Yeshua and Passover Matayahu, Matthew, 26 30 On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, 86, the disciples came to Yeshua and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Yeshua had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Yeshua was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord? Yeshua replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi? Yeshua answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Yeshua took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Marcos, Mark, 14 12-26 On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Yeshua disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? 
So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Yeshua had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Yeshua arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me on who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely not I? It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Yeshua took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, 87, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Lurkas, Luke, 22-7-38 Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Yeshua sent Peter and Yochanan, John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Yeshua had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Yeshua and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took unleavened bread, matzah, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Yeshua said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. 
Yeshua answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Yeshua asked them, When I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, But now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That is enough, he replied. Yochanan, John, 13-1-31 It was just before the Passover feast. Yeshua knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Yeshua. Yeshua knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Yeshua replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Yeshua answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet but my hands and my head as well. Yeshua answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet, his whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you, I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture, he who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Yeshua was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Yeshua loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Yeshua, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Yeshua answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Yeshua told him, but no one at the meal understood why Yeshua said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Yeshua was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. When he was gone, Yeshua said, Now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. Future Passover Yehazekiel, Ezekiel, 
gave new instructions for the millennium Passover. Yehezekiel, Ezekiel, 45:21. In the first month on the fourteenth day you are to observe the Passover, a feast lasting seven days, during which you shall eat bread made without yeast. On that day the prince is to provide a bull as a sin offering for himself and for all the people of the land. Every day during the seven days of the feast he is to provide seven bulls and seven rams without defect as a burnt offering to Hashem, and a male goat for a sin offering. He is to provide as a grain offering an ephah for each bull and an ephah for each ram, along with a hint of oil for each ephah. During the seven days of the feast, which begins in the seventh month on the fifteenth day, he is to make the same provision for sin offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings and oil. Notice the different sacrifice requirements. Bamidbar, Numbers, 2816-22 On the fourteenth day of the first month Hashem's Passover is to be held. On the fifteenth day of this month there is to be a festival, for seven days eat bread made without yeast. On the first day hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. Present to Hashem an offering made by fire, a burnt offering of two young bulls, one ram and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With each bull prepare a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, with the ram, two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs, one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Points to remember. Matayahu, Matthew, 1244 As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matayahu, Matthew, 2617-30 On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Yeshua and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appoint time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Yeshua had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Yeshua was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord? Yeshua replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi? Yeshua answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Yeshua took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, 88, they went out to the Mount of Olives. On preparation day Yeshua is crucified and placed in the tomb. Marcos, Mark, 1542-46 It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Yeshua body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Yeshua had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. 
Yochanan, John, 1914 It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Yeshua. I suggested, at the beginning of this paper, that Passover has many parts that have a future fulfillment. So, now is the time to explore this fascinating arena. Okay, now here are some places to start looking for future Passover events. This first one because of the reference to firstborn, and we know that a reference to the firstborn is always in reference to Passover. Revelation 1 4-6 Yochanan, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Yeshua Mashiach, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father to him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Revelation 15 1-4 I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues last, because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire and, standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of Moses the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, Hashem, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. When this song was sung during the Exodus, it says that they sang the song of Moses 99. The Hebrews in the future tense, literally they will sing the song of Moses. Thus we see that our verse in Exodus pointed us to our verse in Revelation. Seven days after Passover the Israelites and Moses sang the song of Moses. Shemot, Exodus, 15-1 Then Moses and the Israelites, saying, We'll sing the song to Hashem, I will sing to Hashem, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Sang is not past tense. It literally means we'll sing. The Apostle Yochanan, John, had the following revelation where we learn when Moses will again sing this song. Our way to Hashem is built on the tears we've shed. When we sing the Shira, the song, it's the greatest moment the Jewish people have ever experienced as a nation, but two things undermine its glory. How can the angels sing, Hashem wants to know, if his creatures, the Egyptians, are drowning? Second, the song is a great event, but forty years of wandering in the desert await the Jews, along with wars with Amalek, the Midianites, as well as spiritual and physical tests. The road ahead is rough, this generation will have to die out before the people enter the promised land. All this adds up to a song which is aware that the future must contain a greater moment, an ultimate redemption. This idea is alluded to in the first two words. True, Moses sang but there is more that will be sung about, in the future. In the present, in a world not yet redeemed, we cannot truly sing. Why is there such an emphasis on Passover to be commits free, leaven free? On Passover, Passover, we are forbidden to own commits, leaven bread, i.e., virtually any flour product not especially produced for Passover, or have it in our possession. On the evening preceding Passover there is a serious search of the home for commits. 
Kamitz is also described as boasting in. 1 Corinthians 5 6-8 Your boasting is no good, do you not know, that, a little leaven leavens the whole lump? 7 Thoroughly clean out the old leaven, in order to be like matzah, unleavened bread, for Pesach, 4, Messiah is, as our, offering, Olah, over us, for our sake, 8 So that we should not keep with the old leaven the festival, of unleavened bread, and not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, acts of lawlessness, but with the matzah, unleavened bread, of purity and truth, faithfulness. Like yeast in the dough, boasting puffs up a person. Passover is the time of freedom, spiritual freedom, which is the essence of why Hashem brought us out of Egypt. The only thing that stands between you and Hashem, is you. To come close to Hashem, which is the essence of life and the opportunity of every mitzvah and holiday, one must remove his arrogance and evil inclination. This is the lesson of removing the kamitz from our possession. One of the freedoms to work on during Passover is freedom of the mouth. The sages view the mouth as the most dangerous part of the body. It is the only organ that can cause problems in both direction, what comes in, food and drink, and what goes out, speech. It is so dangerous, it is the only part of the body that has two coverings, hard teeth and soft lips. Most of us are slaves to the mouth, both in what we eat and in what we speak. On Seder night we fix this. We have the mitzvah of speaking of the leaving Egypt to fix speech, and the matzah and four cups of wine to fix eating and drinking. Now why did the children of Israel need to leave so quickly? To answer this, we need to understand that Passover was a time of an incredible, undeserved, outpouring of kindness and beneficence from Hashem. The Bnei Israel had descended to the 49th level of impurity and had almost no merits with which to beseech Hashem for salvation. Nevertheless, Hashem initiated a great deliverance for Bnei Israel. Therefore, the Torah says that the Bnei Israel left in haste. Now, why did Bnei Israel have to leave in haste? We have just had ten incredible miracles. We have had no work for the slaves for almost a month. The Egyptians are urging Israel to leave. Why do they have to leave in a hurry? Their spiritual level is higher than it has been for generations. They have had the mitzvah of Passover to lift them. Why do they have to leave in a hurry? Some would say that if they had remained they would have sunk beyond the 49th level of impurity, to reach a point of no return. I do not think that there was immediate danger of this. The sages teach, one opinion, that if they had stayed another minute they would have become like angels. They indicate that the spiritual energy was so great that it would have ushered in the messianic age before they had earned it. This is why they had to leave in haste. This is where the B'nai Israel must live. They must act when the spiritual energy is at its height. There is another thing to note in the hasty exodus, the problem with one more minute in Egypt, is one more minute. Hashem's people were called on to live at the transcendent moment when there is a transfer of spiritual energy, the male ecstatic experience. They may not waste the male seed. The Passover Experience The inspiration, the male ecstatic experience, our redemption is a gift from Ha. Shem. We are leaving slavery to serve Ha. Shem. Inspiration quashed. More work, no straw. The bad guys get ten plagues. Inspiration revived. We go out of Egypt with a high hand. Inspiration quashed with a vengeance. We are trapped between a sea and an army. Inspiration fulfilled, the gift is ours. The army is dead, we are free. The gift is removed, time to earn the inspiration, time to build and prepare for birth, the female ecstatic experience. 
50 days of hard work, then we will stand as one at Mount Sinai, then we will receive the Torah. Now, the inspiration has had its intended effect. We have all attained a prophecy, we have united as one in our service of HaShem. The female's job of building has reached fruition and a Torah nation is born. This Passover pattern is repeated daily in our lives. We learn that there is an overlap of the spiritual and the physical world. Spiritual-Physical Where the spiritual overlaps the physical, the green area above, is where Hashem's people are supposed to live. They are supposed to live in that moment of inspiration before the evil has had the time to take hold. We are called to act spiritually within the physical world. We are to live in that transcendent time which is too small for the evil inclination to take hold. We are supposed to ride that moment of inspiration to the extent that we are so inspired that we never see the death of the inspiration, only the constant building of that inspiration. We are to take the inspiration of Passover and use it to build a level that carries us through the entire year. Passover is the festival of firsts. It is the first festival in the first month of the year. Shemot, Exodus, 12:2 FF. It is the festival of the firstborn of HaShem, Israel. It is the festival where the firstborn of the wicked are destroyed. It is the festival where Israel is first called a congregation. Shemot, Exodus, 12-3. It is the first sacred assembly. Shemot, Exodus, 12-16. It is the festival where Hashem first said that the first male belongs to him. Shemot, Exodus, 13-2. The Passover Memorial. Shemot, Exodus, 34-25 Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast, and do not let any of the sacrifice from the Passover feast remain until morning. By Yikra, Leviticus, 23-4-5 These are Hashem's appoint feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times, Hashem's Passover begins at twilight on the fourteenth day of the first month. Passover is to be celebrated forever, not just until Yeshua came. Shemot, Exodus, 12-17 Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. 8. Names Given to the Passover Festival The first night of Passover is also called the Night of Vigil or the Night of Seder, Order. Where does the Seder come from? We are told that it is in recognition of the fact that when the children of Israel fled Egypt, though in great haste, they did so with a sense of order rather than of chaos. Behold! I send you Eliyahu the prophet before the great and awesome day of HaShem, 7-3. The night of Passover is called a night of guardings, when the Jewish people are guarded from their enemies. A night of guardings also implies that the night of Passover is guarded, set aside for all time, as the night of the final redemption. In other words, every year, the night of Passover, because it contains the power of the redemption from Egypt, has the ability to bring forth actual redemption from the potential. Shabbat also has this ability to express and crystallize the latent power of the week that follows it. Therefore, every Shabbat HaGadol contains the capability of the redemption from Egypt, for the great and awesome day of HaShem, the day of the final redemption, is already awakened in it. Maharal 13. The Passover Covenant and Mashiach Shemot, Exodus, 6-6-7 Therefore, say to the Israelites. Cup number 1, the cup of blessing or sanctification. I am HaShem, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Cup number 2, the cup of deliverance. I will free you from being slaves to them, and. Cup number 3, 
The Cup of Redemption I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Cup number 4, The Cup of Completion or Glorification I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am Hashem your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Fulfillment Cup number 1, 1, is found in I Corinthians 10:16 is not the cup of blessing for which we bless a participation in the blood of Mashiach. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Mashiach? Notice that this is not the third, three, cup that Mashiach said was the new covenant in his blood, Luercas, Luke, 22:20. This is plainly the first cup known as the cup of blessing. It is also noteworthy that the only piece of matzah that was specifically broken was the middle piece which is known as the dessert matzah or afikoman. Afikoman? A. The matzah is broken before reciting the Haggadah, because the recital is to be over a matzah suitable for the obligation of Haggadah, namely lechem oni, bread of poverty, which is a broken piece. Lechem oni means bread of poverty, but is also interpreted as lechem shenem alav, the bread over which we answer, discuss, recite, many things. Combining both meanings, then, the Haggadah is to be said over matzah, and in particular a matzah which is noticeably bread of poverty, i.e., a broken piece of matzah. Pesachim 115b. 19. The matzah is to be broken while it is yet covered by the cloth. 20. It is customary to wrap the afikoman in a cloth in commemoration of the people took. The remainders, of the matzah and marer, wrapped up in their garments, Shemot, Exodus, 12:34, see Rashi, and to hide it among the pillows so that it will not be eaten inadvertently during the meal. The larger piece is set aside, because a fikoman is a significant mitzvah, it is eaten as the very last thing at the Seder, representing for us the Passover offering. The term a fikoman is said to mean a fiku, bring out to the table all kinds of food. Tishbi and Musaf Hurach state that afikoman is a Greek term for foods eaten at the conclusion of a meal, dessert. C. The smaller piece is the one we recite the Haggadah over. This study was written by Rabbi Dr. Halel Ben David Greg Killian Comments may be submitted to Rabbi Dr. Greg Killian 4544 Highline Drive Southeast Olympia, Washington 9850